Hello, and welcome to Stride and Saunter, episode 227. I'm Kip Clark, and joining me in the studio today, we have a returning guest, Eric Cunningham. Hey there, Kip. It's good to be back. And I'm really happy to have you back, because today, similar to a previous episode we recorded on the fear of failure and learning, today we're going to be talking about the fear of failure itself, how it affects our lives, our relationships, and why it's worth looking at more critically. Because while some people might find the following statement ridiculous, we don't have to fear all failure, and some of it might actually be really healthy and important for growth. That's right, Kip. I totally agree. And I actually have one example that I wanted to bring to this discussion. There's a division of Google called Google X. They call it their secret laboratory. Basically, what Google X does is dreams up solutions to the world's problems. So, of course, they end up working on all kinds of very, very interesting projects. But what was most interesting to me about Google X is not their products or their successes, but the way that they reward failure. At Google X, if you find that your project is not going to produce a successful result and you decide to quit that project, you are rewarded, sometimes with a bonus, sometimes with time off. And I read that the reason Google X does this is because they want to promote a healthy environment where failure is accepted. And the thinking is that this will allow its employees to take risks and work on projects that may not always produce successful results, but may have a lot of value to them. I personally think this is a great way to approach failure, because if you continue to spend your time and effort on something that is not going to produce a successful result, then you're missing out on other opportunities that might produce more success or more growth. This actually makes me wonder what things in my own life maybe I should quit to allow time and energy to be spent on something else. You allude to something really critical there in talking about what you might quit or give up, because for many people, when they hear failure, I suspect, frankly because I do this myself, that they're picturing failure as a single point in time, a moment when you learn, this didn't work out, this really isn't going how I planned, and I'm finished or defeated. But I would assert, especially given your remark about quitting, that failure sometimes can be holding on to something that is no longer working and refusing to let it go. I would point to the countless examples of romantic relationships over the span of human history that were unpleasant after a certain point or no longer yielded joy. And not everyone's going to agree with this, but I would say failure in those cases, to me, might look like a continuation of misery. I'm not saying you have to leave the relationship, but you should always take stock of your circumstances and see what is and is not working. And I think the truest of failure is the denial that anything is or could be going wrong because it prevents you from seeing the truth or at least conceding the possibility of a negative truth. And to go from one dramatic example to another, because my mind often conjures such ideas, I would bring up war and combat where failure and success are literally life and death. And indeed, in a battle, failure might mean loss of your comrades, your allies, maybe hundreds or thousands of lives, which presents a great weight and a tragedy. But I think it could also be argued that the true failure of war is that people haven't learned how not to fight it, that wars continue. And some people might say, well, Kip, war is necessary. 
And I do think that's a longer conversation, but my point is that the way we look at failure might recalibrate how afraid we are to engage it, to consider its value, and how it might actually help us to seek out failures ongoing in our lives. The idea you bring up of different perspectives of failure immediately brought to my mind the way individuals, circumstances, and backgrounds can determine their own perspective and can really change people's behavior. I think it's very logical that someone who doesn't have a family and is working on their own probably has much more fear of failure than someone with a lot of support behind them, maybe a family to help them along, and may act as a safety net in case they do fail. I think that the stakes of failure have a lot to do with this perception and fear of it. And thinking about the perspectives of success and failure also makes me think about the way we frame our own successes and failures. One immediate example is right now, during the recording of this podcast, I'm trying to think of the perfect way to communicate my ideas. But that actually is causing me to maybe not say some things that I had wanted to say. And I'm really moved by that kind of authenticity. And I suspect you're not the only person in the world for whom fear of failure, on whatever scale, has prohibited authenticity to an extent. Because it's hard to be yourself if you're worried that that self is going to be judged by others, especially judged as a failure. And I don't know that I have a panacea to that except to say, I hope, as we live in a gradually more loving world, if we indeed do approach that future, that people will be allowed to make mistakes from time to time because not only are we not perfect, but we definitely improve when we make mistakes and then concede them. But in the context of trying to say something perfectly or come across perfectly, I don't think you're the only person who spends time on that. And I suspect a lot of us are wasting hours of our lives trying to polish things that may only be viewed briefly or heard briefly or even ignored altogether by the people we hope will give us validation. And that's where fear of failure becomes really dangerous because some success can be really subjective. You and I might pick our words well right now only to have a listener say, well, I didn't get anything out of this. I sure hope you didn't spend a lot of time thinking of those words. And in that case, did we fail? Is it success if you and I felt that it was? I think all of this is very subjective and up in the air. And I want to come back to your safety net example, because I've been thinking a lot about areas of my life where I feel comfortable failing, or at least being vulnerable enough to make a mistake every once in a while. And that only comes out for me in relationships where I feel trust thoroughly exists. And so to anyone listening, I would say, look at those relationships where you have trust and love and seek out more that are similar, because that's really where beautiful things come out where you learn about yourself, including the rougher edges. And if you're around people who trust you and believe that you have the best of intentions, even if you make mistakes, I think failure takes on a different meaning. And I think in that context, failure is more like something you spar with, to overcome, to pin down, to understand more thoroughly in a martial arts sense, rather than a life-or-death fight whose outcome might permanently tie you to shame, disappointment, embarrassment, and possibly reluctance to ever try again. At the very beginning, we framed this conversation as speaking about the fear of failure and how it affects our lives and relationships. And I want to pull out that word relationships for just a minute. 
I think there must be countless relationships that only exist because somebody was willing to put themselves out there and they were willing to accept the possibility of failure, maybe being turned down when asking for a date, or maybe being rejected from a school or an employer. But without those times of vulnerability and possibly high stakes consequences, the possibility of achieving any kind of goal or making a relationship may have never existed. How many of your own relationships? only exist because you were willing to possibly be embarrassed or be turned down. To add to that, I would say not only how many of your relationships, but also consider how complimentary it is to someone that at some point in time, you had the thought, even subconsciously so, that this person or this school or whatever was worth the risk, was worth the possibility of failing. And as you reflect on your own relationships, perhaps those that you did not initiate, consider that someone else may have had that thought for you and thought, yeah, I really enjoy their company or admire them, find them interesting, etc. And I don't know how this is going to work out, but it's worth spending the time to see. And to me, that's a very crucial element in life itself. You will absolutely never know what's around the next corner, but stagnation is not the same as safety. And in sitting still because we're afraid to turn the corner, I think it's rare that life simply improves on its own without us trying to find better paths or better people, etc. And to come back to familial relationships, I'd like to note that failure, like so many human feelings, is really infectious. And if your parents or guardians ever failed at something, that may be reflected in your life. They may strongly caution you against the same pitfalls or vicariously maneuver for a second chance to correct the past through you. But either way, at least in my mind, they can introduce an artificial weight or burden. Fear of failure can keep us safe, and I don't deny that, nor am I advocating all risks. But it can also limit the opportunities we have in life to fail and learn for ourselves. I think about the classic example of a helicopter parent, and while I have no doubt that they act from a place of love and a desire to protect, I do think that their fear of their young ones' failures can cause them to deny really valuable learning experiences and the scrapes and bumps, both physical and emotional, that come from living a human life. That's so true, Kip. And I think most listeners will have some kind of example from their own personal lives when they've been the subject of this kind of desire to improve upon past failures vicariously. And that makes me think, what does the opposite of fear of failure look like? What if we decided not to be afraid of failure? Or what if we decided to promote it in our lives the way that Google X promotes quitting projects that aren't doing well? And how can we promote this idea of going boldly into uncertain futures, being unafraid of failure? I think, of course, that relationships have a lot to do with this. I think the way people speak to each other and the way we encourage each other can really change behavior. And if we treat each other in a way that promotes learning and growth, then I think we can live in a better society. And on that very kind-hearted note, before we conclude this episode, what would you like the audience to think about after listening to this conversation? I'd like the listener to take this opportunity to think about some time in their past when maybe they didn't reach to achieve a goal that they had in their mind because of this fear of failure. Remember the way it made you feel and think about what that situation might be for someone else in their own life and think about how they can encourage that person to take that next step and achieve a goal that they have in their own mind and think about what a better society we could live in if everyone does the same. 
And I'd be really interested to hear if anyone listening thinks there's a particular period in our lives when we are most afraid of failure or where we most benefit from subduing or overcoming that fear. I'd also be really curious to hear if listeners think the flame tends to be stoked more internally or externally, and I suspect it varies person to person. Lastly, I'd really love to hear about situations in which you think the fear of failure might be a benefit and serves us only or primarily in the positive sense. And of course, Eric, I'd like to thank you for coming on and sharing your thoughts today. As always, thanks for having me, and I look forward to doing this again. And I'm happy to hear it. But as always, we want this to be a conversation among, not simply a conversation between. Ours are only two voices, and we genuinely love to hear from you. You can find us on Twitter or on Facebook. You can also email us via strideandsaunter at gmail.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing to the show as well as supporting us on Patreon where in exchange for your support, you'll receive exclusive perks like bonus episodes and pre-show recordings. And as always, we thank you very much for listening, and from thought to word and voice to ear, this is Kip Clark, signing off.